Matthew 28 and verse 19. Uh, Matthew 28 verse 19 reads, Therefore, says Jesus, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the, of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go and make disciples of all nations. And I am with you always to the very end of the age. Uh, so we're going to just look at that uh, for a few moments tonight. I'm introducing really just, just briefly um, this evening a, a, a fresh theme throughout part of um, September and probably into a bit of October called Multiply. Uh, the title of, uh, for the next uh, number of weeks being maybe mainly in our morning gatherings, but I want to introduce it tonight. And um, it, it, it's looking at this commission, the commission of Jesus. And uh, what we see is in the early, for the early believers, they had a, a, an amazing sense of mission. The early Christians, though in those first years, months, and even in years after Jesus, there was a real strong sense that every individual were on a mission. They had a, a mission in life. There was a real sense, and it's really summed up in these words, these, these very important words of Jesus. These are the words, his, his, almost his last words, with the disciples. And there is a sense of, we call it the Great Commission, but there is it conveyed in these words a sense of purpose, a sense of desire and mission for every single one of us. In those early believers had this understanding of being missionaries. They were missionaries, not consumers. And in the age in which we live, there's this there is an understanding. We would understand as a, someone who's a missionary, as somebody that goes maybe out to somewhere say like India or Africa or but the idea of mission is this idea of being sent by Jesus, sent out into the world around us. And um, we've drifted. It's true that a missionary does go to Africa. and It's true that a missionary does go to India. So I believe completely that is absolutely true. But there's the full sense, the real sense of purpose the sense for every believer is this, and this is it in a nutshell, that every single one of us is here for a purpose. We are commissioned. We are, you are, whether you may be aware of it or like it or do like it or don't like it or aware of it or not aware of it, each one of us, we are here for a purpose. We are missionaries. We are sent on a mission. In other words, I have a mission. You don't have to be Barack Obama to have a mission for this world. Just a believer, just a believer, but a believer to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's this understanding. And what we see is with those early, early believers that they had this strong sense of mission. Today, we, we maybe don't quite, that's got a bit fuzzied around the edges. I believe we do have a sense of mission, but it's, it's generally, for, often it's for others, and we applaud a lot of others, and they will stand on the stage, and so we should applaud people that give their whole lives to serve God in all the far reaches of this world, and in the inner city areas of our cities, and, and in London. 
But that applauding those others is diminished something that Jesus has given us for all of us. And that's for you and I. We're here with a purpose. And it's small wonder that it says of the early church, they multiplied. They went from one uh, to from 12, rather, to 72, to over 120, to several thousand on the day of Pentecost. And so, and it went to probably about 15 to 30,000 after a few months in Jerusalem, it grew, and it said the Lord added daily. The Lord added daily through his people. It was miraculous, but it was miracles of mercy, miracles of mission happening in your life and my life. And so the theme of Multiply will be looking over a number of weeks of rediscovering the mission purpose of Jesus for the 21st century. How we can still live. Uh, recent gathering uh, was this uh, love revolution being commissioned and released in a love revolution. I think it was maybe a year or two ago. And that's, that's not new. We are here for, to bring a love revolution to the world. The revolution of Jesus Christ. Jesus in us, taken to the world. And we don't have to wait for a gym challenge if you were long enough in the tooth. Jesus in me. Can you remember Jim? You all wore the badge, J-I-M. And somebody asked you, what does Jim mean? And you were to say, it means Jesus in me. I'm not making fun of that. But we don't have to wait for that. We're here for the purpose. And uh, we can multiply, spread. The gospel of the kingdom is to be preached to the whole world. And that's through you and through, that's through me. And uh, so what we, what we find, uh, and just for the next few moments, um, we'll be sort of expanding upon this in the weeks ahead. But there's three things that I want to just look at tonight when we look about the mission of Jesus Christ. So when we say, what does it mean to be on a mission Well, there's three broad aspects that I just want to just uh, throw out tonight. And then we will unpack some of these themes in the weeks ahead. So to be on a mission, the multiply vision, in other words, the vision that Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news and teach others and baptize them and teach others. So these disciples were to go and be teachers, you and I to be teachers ourselves, to share with others. And Jordan was reminding us of some of these things this morning when we were looking at being a disciple and following him. And so I'm really just taking that on uh, as well. So the multiply vision finds itself, I'm going to propose, in three areas. Uh, The first area where Jesus says, follow me. And we are called to be followers of Jesus. One of the songs we sung tonight was all about following and no turning back. I've decided, it's amazing, it's great that we sung that tonight. I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. What a great declaration we were led to make over our lives. And that's the first thing that I want to mention, we're going to look at. So the first aspect of the multiply vision is to following of Jesus. Jesus said, come and follow me. The second aspect of the multiply vision, this vision on a mission, is uh, to live courageously. In other words, live the life. When we, as we follow Jesus, we're then called to live the life. Walk the walk and talk the talk. To be, to become it. We can't do one thing on a Sunday and something else in the week. Reading a book recently, and this guy was saying about 10% of our life will be gathered. Church activity, church-based stuff. 90% of our life is out in the workplace, my home, my family, my world. And amazing book. I've been tra- uh, really uh, turned on my head, really, with some of the things it said. But uh, we can't be in the 10% when we're gathered like this, one thing, and then 90% in the world be something a bit different. We're called to live 
and we look at what, it, what how do we live courageously? And I say courageously, and I'll give my reason why in a moment. And thirdly, the multiply vision is to go into the world and tell others in the power of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit is the comforter, is the paraclete, the one who comes alongside, but also the empowerer. It gives us power to uh, be and to tell and to go. And so we're to go in the power of the Spirit. To follow, to live, and to go tell. Three simple aspects of the multiply vision, the mission vision. So firstly then, to follow Jesus. To, uh, uh, follow Jesus. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 1, verse 17. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Mark 1, verse 17. Luke 9, verse 23, reads like this. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So if we're going to go after Jesus, which we're encouraged to do, and Jesus commands us to do, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and then this Jesus says this, and follow me. Luke 9, 23. John chapter 15, another verse. John chapter 15. Verse 16 reads like this. These are amazing words. I love these words. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. You didn't choose me, says Jesus, but I choose you. That's amazing. We were reminded this morning when uh, Jordan was sharing the idea that Jesus called them and then they ran after him. The reason being is that often they would call people that were uh, the, the, the cleverer, Uh, And he was calling just ordinary people. And they thought this is amazing to be honored, to be called. And so Jesus said, I choose you. If you're going to come after him, we are chosen by him. So we're called to follow Jesus. This is something intentional. Not follow the pastor. Not follow your denomination. Not follow the teaching on the God channel necessarily personally. Here I go again. I'm on my hobby horse. But just stay with me. Forgive me. Don't follow the particular idea only that you have. It's not wrong to have your ideas. It's good. But who are we to follow? Follow Jesus Christ. Don't follow Billy Graham. He's an amazing man. What a man of God. And what about all the men and women of God? What are the great prophets of the word of God? The great teachers, the great preachers. There's some brilliant, great preachers and teachers today on TV and in local churches. But we're not called necessarily to follow them totally. And ultimately, we might follow some of their teaching. You might go along with where they're going. But we're called to follow Jesus. We've been singing about him all night. Isn't it brilliant? to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the personality. You know, we live in an age of um, X Factor. He's back on telly. Sharon Osbourne's back. It's back in the little room. It's got a better atmosphere. And everybody wants to be a personality. What do you want to be in life? I want to be a TV personality. I want to get rich quick. We live in the age, the cult of personality. It's nothing new, but the biggest personality, the great personality, the person that we want to aspire to, who we want to follow, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says, follow, come and follow me. He calls him. I can't say you have to follow me. You might say, we might try and say that, but we, Jesus can absolutely, completely call upon your life and my life because he comes up with all the goods. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God and creator himself. He's your saviour and your friend, Lord and master, healer, baptizer and deliverer. And it's he is the one who says, 
Come and follow me. I want you to lay hold of that because we don't realize how much we are personality driven today. And even in the various teachings that we would hold very, very dear, a certain key person or whoever, but we're called to follow. All those are great things, and I'm not saying you can't have people that you love and honor and teachings that you follow. That's all good. But everything comes under the name who is above all names. Everything must sit. Every knee must bow. And we don't just say that glibly. If we really believe that and honor that, then Jesus says, come and follow me. He'll never let us down. He's the best person. If we have a group of people, no matter how small, and so when 12 people followed him, they were to turn the world upside down. No matter how small, no matter how big a group you have, if we follow him. So Jesus says, come and follow me. The verses that we read talk about following him. You notice it says there, do this daily. Deny yourself, pick up your cross daily. It's intentional. And so as a Christian, you just don't just doink, arrive, beam me up or beam me down, transport me there, Scotty, as it used to be from Star Trek. There's an intentionality to it. Being a disciple, being a follower is intentional. It's a desire. He chooses us. He calls us. He draws us. And it's up to us to respond. Intentionally, daily, to follow him. And there's intentionality. So there's a following him. He's the personality. There's an intentionality in it. It's daily. He chooses you. That's amazing. He chooses me. We're not accidental. We're not here by accident. There's something amazing in being chosen by God. He chooses us. It's a sovereign will of God. There's something about my free will and my responsibility, but God's authority and God's sovereignty. And there is this understanding and understanding the balance of that. But it's what it says. He chooses us. God has got a great heart. Jesus has got a great heart. To think he chose me, I can't believe it really. He shouldn't have done that in my own eyes with some of the stuff maybe I've said and done. And he still does today. He still calls me. And you. Even the stuff you say and do and what we've done. But isn't that amazing? That is the grace of God. And he chose you and chooses you. Guy, I've said, told this story, but I can remember being at school. And when I first started playing football, around about eight, with me mates at school, never got picked. Well, I was waiting for a bit more than that. But right. I never, it scarred me. But I have been in a heel, delivered and everything else from it from now. But I never got picked. It's a horrible feeling not to get picked at anything. Anyone ever had that feeling? Not get picked. And all my mates were getting picked. And they sort of said, right, you can have him. You can have him. It's great to be chosen. But when I got, as I got a bit older, about 14, 15, I got a bit handy. I wasn't bad. I, started, I was pretty fast runner. I was a good winger. Got quite good at the, on the ball, good at dribbling. Uh, got quite fit. And I started to get up the pecking order quite a bit. I got chose about third or fourth. Yeah, thank you. Not first, but third or fourth. That's not bad, is it? Third or fourth on anyone's team. Once or twice, even got called to be captain. Remember, you used to stand by the wall and say, what, we have you as captain, you. It's a, I tell you what, you feel good, don't you? We are all chosen. You don't have to stand by the wall and think, oh, he's not choosing me. We're all, no, no pecking order. You know the old pecking order? No, there is none. We're all even playing field, all on the same level, same ground, all chosen. God looks at you in the eye. He knows the hair on your head, how much you've got and how little you have. He knows everything, your name. He knows he chose us. He chooses you. It says to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. What is that fruit? The fruit is to live the life and touch the lives of others. The fruit is to live the life. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, the fruit, the spirit. To live the life is to live out that life. That's the fruit. And touch the lives of others. To love God. Fruit that will last. To live the life. To live the life of in love with God. 
and touch the lives of others. That's the fruit. And this is why Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. Okay. So you can see where we're going. So Jesus is the living word. And he's encountered in the written word, as well as in his living presence through the power of the Spirit. Jesus is the living word. And you'll understand and encounter him from this amazing book, the Bible, the written word. And there's an intentionality. A man called A.W. Tozer said this, nearness is likeness. In his book, The Pursuit of God, he has a a, a phrase which I think is fabulous. I wrote this down years ago. Nearness is likeness. If you're near to your wallet and your heart's gripped by money, well, you, you meet people like that. You know what they're like, don't you? But if you're nearer to the Lord Jesus, your heart's been won over by Jesus Christ. You, you, could, you know where I'm going with this. And so Jesus, follow me. Nearness is like this. Second thing that we find in this revolution And uh, so the the word of God, I'm finding that the word of God, um, as I'm going through again the New Testament and um, looking at the Gospels, looking at Jesus um, at the moment, um, completely going through Luke again and looking at Jesus again and trying to get closer to him again. It's been fabulous, revolutionary in seeing and getting closer to Jesus Christ again. And it's something that I've been doing at the moment. Second thing, which is live courageously, moving on quickly. We're called to live for him, live for Jesus Christ. Um, we're called to, to live the life, um, to make Jesus Lord. We're called to, to, to follow him, to deny ourselves, give over our complete lives to Jesus Christ. Uh, there, that's what Jesus says. And uh, it's to make Jesus Lord. You've heard it says, um, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. You've heard that saying. It's, it's well, it's quite well known in Christian circles. might be the first time you've heard it tonight. But if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. You don't hear maybe that always, you know, you know, make a decision for the Lord Jesus. But we make a decision, but we're to make him Lord. Complete master. Master of our lives. Give over our lives. To lose our lives in him. To give our lives to God. It's, um, you know, when you sign on that agreement for whatever it is, your house that you'll pay it, you're bound by that. But uh, you, you give your life over to something. And uh, we give our whole hearts and lives over to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's to surrender myself to God. To ask God, forgive me for living for myself. That's sin. Living without God. I want to live for you. Forgive me, Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, forgive me for my sin of living for me without you, godless life. And to make him Lord and master of all. And that's what we're called to do. Make him master of every aspect of our lives. We're going to be looking at that. Uh, To make him master in those aspects, you know, we're called, there's a number of things. We're called to love. Love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. And then our neighbor as ourself. So we're called to radical love. It starts with loving God first. The Westminster Catechism says, the chief end of man is to love God, worship him, and enjoy him forever. I love that statement. Westminster, shorter Westminster Catechism. Believe it or not, I've read it now and again. The chief end of man, in other words, our purpose, our destiny, is to love God and enjoy him forever. That's our purpose in life, is to have a relationship with God. And to make him master, to love, to love God. And then that will spill over to love those around us. You know, the church splits, the arguments, the 
would be erased. Surrender. If we're going to live courageously, we're called to love. We're called to surrender, to obey. Jesus said, obey my commands. Obey. Obedience. We live in a world that says, well, you know, if it doesn't hurt anyone else, you do that. Well, it's not really sin. It's a misdemeanor. But Jesus calls us to obey him. It's really stark, isn't it? It's a real shocker. But it's amazing when it's done in love. And that's radical. That's courageous. And it brings us life. And, uh, you know, so you can't carry on living a certain way and doing certain things that are not just in God's plan. We're called to repent and to follow him and give our lives. And we're called to service. The Son of Man came to serve and not be served and give his life as a ransom for many. So we're called to serve him, to love, to surrender, to obey, and to serve. This is going to take courage. This is going to take the power of the Spirit. I say it's going to take courage because it's counterculture to today. Today, it will go against the tide. The things that Jesus shared, the lifestyle. Look, how about this? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it's summed up in these words. Matthew 6, 30, uh, Matthew 6 verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given you also. These things, what are these things? They're the things of life. Sustenance, the things you need, your bread, your food, your home, your work, the material things, life, the things that we need, all these things. But things are underneath seeking God, the Spirit, it's Jesus, the kingdom, his love, his obedience, his service, surrender, obedience to him. We live, the world has turned it the other way around. Don't need to seek God, there is no God. Seek the things, you need these things, they are your things, they're your rights. You see how the world, now to live counterculture, to live Jesus culture, it's great, isn't it? Jesus culture from, from Bethel Church, that's a, that's a great title. But to live Jesus culture is to live kingdom culture and it's to be courageous and to embrace the life, live the life, walk the walk. And we'll be looking at that. And Jesus calls us to that. Finally, in the power and through the power of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. He says, thirdly, the, this Multiply vision, this kingdom vision, this disciple vision, this mission vision that we all have, that Jesus calls us and commissions us in, is to follow him, is to live the life courageously, to follow him, live it, and then as we do that, then go and tell the world. Go and tell the world that Jesus lives. Some great songs that speak about telling others that Jesus lives. Go in the power of the Spirit and tell the world. Matthew 28 verse 19 says, go into all the world, teaching them and baptizing them, making disciples. Go into all the world. We're to go. You know, in church life we say come, but Jesus says go. Into all the world. It's your world, my world, 90% of the time. We're on a mission. You don't have to go to India to be on a mission. It's in your home, your work, our, our community. Into all the world. In the power of the Holy Spirit. If you, if you turn, we're not going to do a study of it, but in Luke chapter 10, you might want to write this down so that you know I'm not telling you lies or I'm not, I'm not shading it on, on and twisting something for my own, uh, my own uh, ends. But in this going, when Jesus commissioned this going, this going is for all. It's not just for a few certain key leaders, pastors and some missionaries and some super Christians. This going is for all of us ultimately. 
uh, although there was a special anointing in those early days for the early disciples. But in, in um, Luke 9, verse uh, 1, we see that Jesus sends, if you read the Gospel of Luke, in Luke 9, verse 1, Jesus sends the 12, the 12 that were his disciples. He sends them and says, go in the power of the Spirit and uh, heal the sick. And uh, tell everyone wherever you go the, the, the good news of the kingdom, the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. That's Luke chapter 9, verses 1 following. But it, it, it spreads out like a pebble that's thrown into a pool. The ripples go outwards. In Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 8, Jesus says the same thing to a further 72. What he said to the 12, he now commissions a further 72. The ripples are beginning to take Uh, uh, shape here. And in Luke um, 10 verses 1 to 8, we read that Jesus says to 72 others, go in the power of the Spirit. I'm going to give you authority to drive out demons, to heal the sick, and to tell people wherever you go about the good news of the kingdom and the forgiveness of God for your sins through the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, that ripple goes out further, because if you then come into, written by Luke again, this amazing man Luke, in Acts 1 verse 8, For Pentecostals, it's a verse that we love and cherish dearly, perhaps. In Acts 1, verse 8, the ripples now go out to all of us, from the 12 to the 72, now for all. So this is for everyone now. Uh, We see the same thing said maybe in a slightly different way, but in Acts 1, 8, we read, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. And so, in the power of the Spirit is released so that we can go and tell. A couple of minutes and we'll come to a conclusion. You know, miracles can happen in everyday places. i say it again. I really believe, and I'm now beginning to expect, not just when we have a church gathering like this, the gathered, 10% of our time is gathered, 90% of our time is scattered, 90% of your time will be scattered. Miracles can happen in everyday places, wherever you and I are. Because Jesus sends us in the power of the Spirit. You know, a miracle happened by a well. A miracle's happened at city gates. A miracle happened by a pool, and an angel stirred it. Miracles happened at someone's house. Jesus gets invited along, and the disciples get invited along. Miracles happened in the streets, and people were healed. They happened in the most normal places. Not, and miracles happened when people gather together in large gatherings as well. And so we see that miracles can happen in the most normal of places. A man called Michael Green wrote a great book some years ago. He's a theologian, theologian and Christian thinker and pastor. He wrote a great book, I Believe in the Holy Spirit. Brilliant little book. And he said this. The prime purpose of the coming of the Spirit of God upon the disciples was to equip them for mission. The comforter, I've quoted this quite a lot, the comforter comes not in order to allow men to be comfortable, but to make them missionaries in the true sense of the word. We're commissioned. We're here to take the message of Jesus, to live it and to share it in the power of God. Of the Spirit. In other words, you and I, we're on a mission. And Multiply will be looking in the weeks ahead about at that mission. Uh, a few days ago, I decided to do a bit of weeding. And I thought I'd do it outside the front of church. Here, outside, right around the front and around the side. 
because the local authority hadn't done it. So it was getting on my nerves a little bit after a while. It began to get to me. So I decided on one, one afternoon to come down and weed out the front and weed, weed, weed. Yes, just in case. Weed out the front and weed down the side. Now, while I was, while I was doing that, lo and behold, somebody walking down the road stops me and it begins to chat and I'd come along to church and like the meeting and was I won't I won't you know in case we bump into the person again started to share some things about life and this this that and the other. It, was, it was amazing an amazing encounter and conversation with this person never and they knew, I didn't recognize them at first and then they caught me up and then half an hour goes on you can't do anything can you there's always someone coming around the corner and half an hour later I see someone leaning over uh, a man sort of leaning over the fence looking at um, some flowers and I say to him uh, how are you doing uh, you know can I help you and he says yeah yeah who's the minister here now so I said to him well I am and he looked at me rather stunned because here I was uh, weeding and doing stuff around the place so we began to talk anyway cut long story short he told me quite a lot about his life and his background and and the sickness and where he was and uh, he was got now linked with the Jehovah's Witnesses and uh, and uh, he, he had one lung had an operation and he had suffering from cancer. And so well, I would pray. I shared a scripture with him. I felt the Holy Spirit give me a scripture, 1 John 1, 9. And I gave him that because he said I could never be forgiven. You, if you don't know 1 John 1, 9, go and look it up. It's the, one of the best verses of the Bible. Write it down, 1 John 1, 9. How God is forgiving and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, and I, a scripture that I'd memorized many years ago. And I felt the Holy Spirit, give, it, give me that. And I gave it to him and he wrote it down in his hand. He said, I can never be forgiven. I said, you can be forgiven. Father God, he t- kept talking about Jehovah. He wasn't Jehovah's Witness, but he talked about Jehovah. I said, God's your father. I offered to pray for him. He didn't want prayer there and then. I said, I'm going to pray for you. Pray that your, your lung is healed. He said, it was amazing. I'm doing weeding more often. You know, miracles can happen. I mean, encounters, whether they be healings, an opportunity to share And I believe that's how the early church spread like wildfire because we were just ready, prepared, as natural as that. We can raise the dead just like that, as Tommy Cooper used to say. Just like that. We can raise the dead. Miracles can happen in the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. So we're called. We're on a mission. We're all called together to follow him, to live the life, and go in the power of the Spirit. Let's pray together. Bless you. Perhaps we could stand together. And um, let's just embrace the power of the Holy Spirit, shall we? The person of the Holy Spirit. Let's embrace and, and just lift our hearts to heaven and embrace. And, you know, tonight we've sung that amazing song, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And Jesus says, come and follow me. I choose you. Let's just, 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 just in your own words and with your own heart, just reiterate that right now. I'm, fo- I'm decided to follow you, Jesus. Just re- say that. You might be worried about something, but there's no turning back. I'm, 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 you've chose me. Oh, wow. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to go wherever you take me. Holy Spirit, we just embrace that right now, those words. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. Lord Jesus, we say, presence yourself tangibly and through your word so that we might know you more. It be clearer. 
we may know your call upon our lives, not just to go overseas, but how about here in Long Eaton, on the bus, in the park, you know, at the chemist, you know, um, you know, a man leaning over a gate, you know, looking at the weeds. Oh, God, that we've decided to follow you. Oh, Father God, we pray. Miracles. Let miracles. Oh, Lord, forgive us when we've just thought that the miracles have to be so amazing and spectacular and they're out there and I can never reach them. But let miracles be released, we pray tonight, as we follow you. And now, Lord, we say that we want to embrace the life, the life to love to, to, to love, to surrender. We surre- I surrender to you. For some of us, it's going to be quite hard tonight because we've got circumstances that we're finding hurtful and painful. But if you can surrender. You know, Lord Jesus, the ultimate surrender is when he said to his father, into your hands, I give my spirit. Amazing surrender. And it's that type of surrender he calls tonight. Lord, I surrender all my life to you. And now thirdly, receive the release of the person and power of the Holy Spirit upon our hearts and lives right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we're sealed with the deposit, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, you come and live and reign within my heart and life. Influence fully. I pray I'm fully influenced by you. Not only that you might reign and be released within me, but also you may come upon us afresh. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you. Welcome you. We welcome you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. I had somebody write a prophetic word to me, to our church, actually. I'm not going to say it was. It came through the post around about July. And the person said, didn't know what I'd be speaking on, but said, I just see the Holy Spirit standing, Jesus standing, the Father standing. And all he's saying as he's standing in the church is, I welcome me and I'll do the rest. And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Welcome. That means that we're just opening up our hearts to you in our lives. At work, whatever we might, where we face work tomorrow. Um, when, when I'm looking in the, in the job center, I'm looking for a job at, at perhaps tomorrow. Uh, when I'm at the chemist or the pharmacist or down at Asda at Tesco and in, in, in with my family and my children, um, members of family that don't know you right now, we welcome you. We welcome you, Lord. Oh, Lord, you're so amazing. We just say you are so welcome. We welcome you as a church right now. We say we want to embrace all that you have for us today. And we want to be your followers right to the very full. And thank you that you give us your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.